Jesus' first miracle in chapter 2 together. And, and the series title is Jesus, God Among Us. Uh, it's the story of Jesus coming on earth in the flesh. Uh, the first chapter of John inc- includes so many amazing things about who Jesus was, why he came, and what our response to him should be. So we're going to be sitting about six weeks uh, of teaching through the, the Gospel of John, the first chapter, and his first miracle in chapter 2. And I'm looking forward to all that will happen there. Why don't we pray together as we're here this morning. Lord, we want to thank you. Thank you that we're together. Thank you, God, that... We encourage one another when we come together and praise you. Thank you, God, that this morning we've been giving praise to you for all you've done. Thank you for small groups, for the encouragement we have from being in them. Lord, we thank you for times when people help us when we're moving house or when we're, uh, we, we can't move and, and we need other people's help. God, thank you for people in our small group who help us understand your word more, encourage us, challenge us when our life is not being lived the way you want us to live. God, thank you for this church and all that we receive through your people here. Lord, this morning, as we continue to praise you, we ask that you would help us to understand who you are more and more, God. May we understand who you are, Lord Jesus. And Holy Spirit, may you make your presence known to us in this place today so that we might respond to you wholeheartedly, that you might continue to transform our lives. Hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. With me in your Bibles for our Bible reading this morning, which is from John chapter 1 and verses 1 to 18. John chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, He gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. 
John testifies concerning him. He cries out saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. And we look forward to him revealing more of himself to us this morning. Thanks. Thank you, Mandy. Um, just uh, this last week, Mandy and I got a uh, video together, a DVD, uh, called The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Anyone seen it? Yeah. It was about a, a boy uh, who was born and at birth kind of was abandoned. But it's a strange little boy because as this little baby, kind of like was ugly looking and when the doctors came to check the baby over, they said this little baby has got arthritis which kind of uh, seems to be the same as what an 80-year-old would have. And as the movie unfolds, you start to realise that this little baby was born 80 years old and as he grows up, he becomes younger and becomes more and more younger till at the end of the movie... He's really young. I'm not telling you anything that's not on the back of the DVD cover anyway. <laughs> but, but at the end of the movie, this is probably not on the back of the DVD cover, so block your ears if you don't want this one. But he kind of says some, some words and you kind of think, oh, we want to listen to what he said because he's actually lived life backwards and that's unique. I mean, who's ever done that before? And he says these things. He says, it's never too late to be what you want to be. And then he says, I hope you meet people with a different point of view. I hope you live a life you're proud of. And if you find that you're not, I hope you have the strength to start all over again. Inspiring. Benjamin Button. You know, there's only one problem with the, with the story. It's fiction. <laughs> you know. No, it was a great idea. I reckon they would have been sitting back going, oh. You know, imagine if we were old and got young again. And, oh, wow, what a movie. This is going to be great. And it was fascinating. We were curious. You know, we were, wow, what's this like? And the effects were fantastic. And as you thought about what it would be like to live life backwards, it was amazing. But the thing was, it was completely made up, all fabricated. And the writer of John's Gospel tells a story about a unique person. One of a kind. One he calls the one and only. And this person doesn't grow from old to young, but even more curious, this person is one who always was. Always was. And John says that even today, this very day, 7th of June 2009, if you believe in him, if you receive him, you can become God's child, part of God's family, 
right this very day. Your life can be transformed through Jesus Christ. Breathtaking, really. And today I want to ask you one question as we start. What do you believe about Jesus? Because many people, a lot of people I know like Jesus. He's a really cool person to like. You know, and you can be thinking a lot of stuff about him and many people have all different ideas. But the answer to the question is, uh, who do you think Jesus is? What do, you, what do you think of him? Is a huge question that has profound implications in your life to how you answer it. And in this gospel, the fourth gospel, uh, John writes about that. You know, the New Testament begins, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and the first three are the synoptic gospels and and what happens in these synoptics, they're they're kind of similar. They agree, uh, you know, very much so in the type of language that's used and the material they include and in the order of events that happen in Christ's life. They're very similar, telling about Christ's life and then you get to John and it's completely different. John uh, writes post-resurrection telling with an intent so that you and I would know right up front that Christ is the one and only. He, he writes in John chapter 20 and verse 31. This is what he writes. But these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. The Messiah, you know, the coming one, the sent one, the one we were all waiting for. The Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God. And that believing, that by believing, you may have life. Life. The life God intended you to have. Life in all its fullness. Life in all its abundance. The life God planned you to have. In his name. It's a purpose for John writing this gospel. That's why he wrote it. And today, I want us to ask that question as we open up. What do you believe about Jesus? What do you believe about him? Because John wrote so that you would believe. And John would, would kind of know, I reckon. He'd have quite a bit of knowledge. John should know what he's talking about. He was an apostle, John was. He was this John, the son of Zebedee. He was the brother of James, called uh, the son, a son of thunder. He was once referred to as, uh, he was referred to in John's gospel as the, as the disciple whom Jesus loved. He had a close relationship with Jesus. One thing's for sure. John knew Jesus. And John thought Jesus was the one and only. And something else is certain. John wrote this gospel so that you would believe that Jesus is the one and only. And that through that belief you would have life. Life. That's what we're hoping today. In these next few moments as we look at what John wrote, I'm praying that if you don't believe in, in, in Jesus at the moment, that you would come to believe in him this morning. 
And for those of you who have already given your life to him and believe that he is the one and only, that you would be strengthened in your faith and empowered to live the life that he intended you to have. That's why John wrote. That's why I'm speaking this morning on John so that you might believe that Jesus is the one and only. So he starts off this passage. He starts off this morning. And if you have it there in front of you, this is, this is what he writes. He writes that, that Jesus has always been. He writes that Jesus has always been. And he starts by, by, by kind of writing it in the most poetic and beautiful language. It's majestic sounding. It's, it's the most incredible kind of writing in scripture as you, as you look at it. Uh, look, look what it says. Uh, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. There's kind of a rhythm to it, isn't there? He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness but the darkness has not understood him. Jesus says, uh, John says in this very first part, Jesus has always been. In the beginning was the word. There was never a time when Jesus did not exist because the word was there, in the beginning was in the Greek, is in a tense that's called the imperfect tense, which means uh, the was was continuing. So if I was doing something, it means I was continually doing something. So what happens here is, as as John writes this, he is saying, in the beginning was continuing the word. In fact, the entire verse just is read like that. And it means that the word was, in the beginning, was continuing the word and the word was continuing with God and the word was continually God. And someone has said, because of the way these verses read, Jesus was always wasing. <laughs> Jesus was always wasing. He always has been. Jesus always has been. This kind of thing can give you a headache just trying to think about it, can't it? Trying to get your mind around it. Now, minds go backward until kind of time disappears. I mean, you think past the time when Jesus was on earth and you think past the time when Moses was given the commandments and way back past when, when, when God called Abraham, you know, called him to go to a new, new place and way back year upon year upon year upon year until there's nothing but darkness. Nothing, nothing at all. And there, in the beginning, was the continuing word. It's always been. Colossians 1.17 says, He's before all things, and in him all things hold together. How true. Jesus existed forever. He's always been. And then Jesus said, uh, and then John writes uh, that Jesus, the word, has always been 
with God. Not only has he always been, but he's always been with God. Look at what he says. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. Literally, the word was continually toward God. The Father and the Son were continually face to face through all eternity. The the idea is a nearness, a closeness, a sense of movement towards God that was happening between God the Father and God the Son. And this means that they always existed with a deepest equality and intimacy in the Holy Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and though it's not said here, the Holy Spirit. Three, the Trinity, one God in three persons, continually face-to-face together. And again, our minds staggered. If you just think about that, of God always, the word always continuing without beginning or end, in deep, perfect intimacy with the Father and the Spirit. And then John continues on and he says, Jesus has always been and Jesus has always been with God. And then he says, and Jesus has always been God. Has always been God. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. The exact meaning that the word was God means is it means in essence and in character. He was God in every way, though he was a separate person from God the Father. The, the, the phrase perfectly preserves Jesus' separate identity while also stating that he is God. This was continuing, his continuing identity from all creation. He was constantly God. He was constantly God. The simple sense of verse 1 is perhaps the most compact theological statement from all of Scripture. Jesus was always existing from eternity as God, in perfect fellowship with God, the Father. And they not mention the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the one and only. He's unique. And then John says that Jesus, the Word, has always been the Creator. Jesus, the Word, has always been Creator. Look what he says as he writes. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing that was made has been made. In fact, uh, what John says here is just so consistent with the whole writing through the, the New Testament. Over and over again we see that this is affirmed, this fact. Uh, Colossians 1, 16 to 17 says, For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. That's what Paul wrote. 
The writer of Hebrews wrote in Hebrews 1, verses 2 to 3, in these last days, he, meaning God, has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. God made the universe through the sun. And and it says here in verse 3, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And then in Revelation 4.11, it says, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. Jesus, the one and only, is a creator, the eternal creator. And uh, Kent Hughes, in his commentary, writes uh, on John uh, that, that there are about a billion, a hundred billion stars in the average galaxy. A hundred billion. And there are at least 100 million galaxies in known space. So again, 100 million galaxies in known space and each of those galaxies have around about 100 billion stars in each galaxy. Einstein believed that we've scanned with our largest telescope only one billionth of theoretical space. And that means that there's probably... Something like 10 octillion stars in the sky. That's a 10 with 27 zeros behind it. That's how many stars there are. And Jesus created each one. He's the one and only. He's the one and only. Jesus is unique, don't you agree? I mean, he always has been. He, he, he's been, always been with God. He's always been God. He's always been the creator. And then in this passage, perhaps the most staggering verse of all, this God, the one and only Jesus, the word. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Just the word that John uses is incredible there. The, the word that he chooses is, is flesh. The word became flesh. Like he could have said, the word became a human body, you know, or the word became a person. To emphasize, you know, this though, he uses the word became flesh and blood. He was real. Jesus was real. He was living. He was alive and he was human. You know, we could have walked up to Jesus when he was on earth. We could have touched his arm. <laughs> could have walked along the streets, asked him a question. We could have, you know, touched his, his face and, and actually felt his skin. He, he may have played on our footy team <laughs> if he was around today. Um, he came really in the flesh The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. It's like God came to earth and put his tent, pitched his tent right in the midst of us. 
What I find is amazing, though, what I find is, is, is staggering is this next part. Jesus healed people. He taught people. He told them who he was and why he'd come. He, he talked to them. They, they, they could see him in the flesh and see the things he was doing, yet people didn't see him for who he was. 10 to 3 says he was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. They came to that which was his own, but his own did not recognise him. Can you believe it? Although Jesus created the world and he made, uh, made a, cr- a creation, he is the creator of all things and the people that he actually created looked him in the eye, locked eyes with the, with the son, the one and only, and yet they didn't believe him. Can you imagine looking face to face in Jesus' eyes? The one who made the stars and not, not responding, not being moved. But that's what they did. They came and they, they didn't recognise him. What a tragedy. They missed it. And, you know, the, the truth is, I think today... Cars come up and down Melrose Drive on their way to work, on their way home, and they don't. They look across and just think, there's a church, uh, probably a you know, group of people that are just going out of habit. And, and maybe sometimes Jesus, you know, someone talks to them about Jesus or they see Jesus at work in someone's life, but they just are not moved. And for some of you, you've been coming for a little while now and you've been starting to hear and learn more and more about Jesus and perhaps you're, you're locking eyes with the Creator and you're seeing that Jesus was more than a man and he was the one and only. And maybe he's telling you to put your whole life in his hands. John writes a verse then which I'm just um, never tire of reading. A verse which John wants us to know. It's a verse uh, that captures the greatest news of all, I think. That not only is Jesus the one and only, but look what it says. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, yet. Yet, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children not born of natural descent nor of human decision, but a husband's will born of God. Yet to all, look what it says, to all, the incredible wonder is that faith is available to everybody. Anybody can have faith. It's universal in its scope. It just doesn't say just to the Jews or just to the people who are, you know, been living a good life or if your parents were Christians or if, if you're a Baptist, you know, then you can have faith. No, it says yet to all, which means everybody, to all who, what does it say? To all who received him, to those who believed in his name. 
You don't have to be rich. If you're rich or if you're poor, if you're older or if you're young, to all means it includes you today. It includes me. It says to, to those who received him. You know, it means, this, this word means to take hold of, to grasp, to grab. It means to accept. If, if someone gives you a gift and you receive it, you, you take it. It means to actually take hold of who Jesus is, to believe his teachings, to look at his life and what he's done and to accept that they're true, to actually listen to what he says in the Sermon on the Mount and realise that you fall short and you're a sinner and you need salvation, to understand that the purpose of his death was to die in your place so you can be forgiven, to realise that you and of yourself cannot pay for your own sin, but Jesus did it for you and through faith and trust in him, you can be forgiven. That's what it means to those who receive, who accept what Jesus says. Many people say, I like Jesus. You know, I really do. He's great. I love the parts of it. I love your enemy and, you know, uh, I love, love things like that. <laughs> yeah. But when it says that I need to obey him and follow his teachings, when it says that I'm to pray for those who persecute me, when it says that you know, I'm to try and live a holy, godly life, not through my own, but through faith and trust in Christ, when it shows that I, I need to ask each day, Lord, help me become more and more holy and godly and, and to pray and to read your word and to, oh, you know, I like Jesus, but... I also like all the other things that I'm believing. Now, Jesus said, yet to all who received him, to those who received him, who took hold of him. And then it says, to those who believed, they were those who actually put their faith and trust in the fact that Jesus was the only one. They entrusted themselves to Jesus. They believed by faith in who he was. And look what happens to those people. He gave them the right to become, to be called children of God. To become children of God. You know, in a world where rank you know, counted for everything and, and the majority of the populations were slaves at the time when John was writing this. They had no freedoms, most people, or any prospects of, of acquiring freedom. The gospel carried enormous appeal. It was a message of hope. It was a message which promised for all people, it, you know, it didn't matter what rank you were or where you were in society, nothing less would be given to you than a personal relationship with God in his family. Today, if you receive Jesus, if you accept that he is the one and only and put your faith in him, you become a child of God through faith. doesn't matter what you've done. doesn't matter if, you've, you know, if you don't know too much about him. But if you believe that he's the one and only God's son and that he died for you and you put your faith in him, you become his child. So many people want to earn their way to God, want to think they can try and control him. No, it's surrendering to all that he's done through Jesus. Today, if you grasp that, this is what John would, would marvel at later on in, in, in 1 John when he wrote, how great is the Father's love that he's lavished on us, that we can be called children of God. I want you to notice 
what that means. Children of God, uh, born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. You know how uh, children are born? Well, you know, God's created us so that we can reproduce and we can have children and make, uh, you know, make babies. But the difference between my spiritual birth and the birth of a child is that I can, you know, talk to Mandy and we can try and have a baby. Um, but, but what this is saying, you know, this is not children born of a natural descent, you know, natural desires, or of a human decision, you know, sitting down, let's have a baby, or of a husband's will. Now, this is different. If you become a child of God, you can't claim that that's your work at all. This is God's work. Because he calls, and he draws you, and he calls us together. So look around. I mean, here we are in a church together. And it's no mistake that you're here. You think you might have had, you know, by responding, but God's been at work in your life and he's placed us together, his church, his people, and this is God's work together if you've believed in him and put your faith in him. For by grace you have been saved, you know, not of yourself, so that you can't boast, you know, thinking I earned this. It's God that brings about this birth. Do you know... For me, when I was 14 years old, laid in bed one night while everyone was in the house fast asleep. I just asked Jesus to forgive my sin. I come to a point where I'd been uh, reading, hearing, seeing God at work in other people's lives. And I asked Jesus to forgive my sins and that if he was real, that he would come into my life and that I would live for him. Just in that bed, I received Jesus as my Lord and Saviour. I became his child. I was born again. (laughs) How incredible. How marvellous. Something that can happen through no other way can I come to God except through Jesus, the one and only. When I was a pastor at Daniel Baptist, I remember a young teenager who had met at Oslife program at a school. He'd think that he wanted to know more about knowing Jesus, so we met together and he rode up our driveway in Dandenong. Uh, you know, someone who was far from God, who had not been forgiven. And when he left an hour later, he rode down that drive on his bike, a child of God, part of God's family. Do you know today, God's still calling people to himself through the one and only Son, Jesus Christ, the one who always was, the one who's always been with God, the one who is God, the creator. And this morning, if he's calling you, it's the Holy Spirit at work. Christ has died on the cross and risen again and he's at the right hand of God. And today the Holy Spirit prompts us and confirms that Jesus is who he said he was. And all that's left is for us to respond. Respond and say, thank you, God. Thank you for sending Jesus. I believe in him. I receive him. The last
verses of this passage say, John testifies concerning him. He cries out saying, he is the one of whom I said who comes after me. He has surpassed me because he was before me. And then John writes these words, from the fullness of his grace. You know, undeserved favour. So simple people, God has forgiven us. We've received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. That's how we know we're sinners because we know what, how God wants us to live and we know that we keep falling. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. He tells us that we're not living the way he wants us to, yet he died in our place, forgiving us so that through him, the one and only, we, be, we can become children of God. John finishes off this prelude, uh, this part of, of, the, of the book of John, and he says, no one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, if ever there was a scripture in the Bible that says that Jesus is God, that's it, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. So what's your response? Jesus is the one and only. John was convinced of it. He walked the streets with him. He spent time with Jesus and he knew without doubt that he was the one and only. He wrote the Gospel of John so that you and I might believe and have faith and through that come to his family. And so all that's left for you is to receive and believe and become part of his family, a child of God. This is it for us as a church. It's what it means to be part of this church. Knowing Jesus. He's the head of this church. He's the head of my life. And those who have Christ as their Lord are part of his church. In these moments, if you want to receive him, I'm just going to pray and you might just respond as well and ask Jesus into your life, surrender everything to him and become his child today. Let's do that together. Let's pray, shall we? God, we want to thank you. Thank you this morning that you love us so much that you would come you would come to earth, that you would dwell among us. And God, thank you that though we have fallen short and though we have failed you in so many ways, that we can be forgiven. And this morning, God, we want to pray this prayer to you. And if, if you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Saviour, just in your heart, repeat this after me. Jesus, I'm, I'm sorry. God, I've sinned against you. But I want to have life. And I thank you. Thank you for sending Jesus, the one and only. And this morning, 
I receive him. I believe in him. And I thank you that your word promises that as I do this now, I become your child. This is not my doing, God. It's yours. It's by your grace. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Now for those that have put their faith in him, we just want to say, God, we thank you so much. How great it is to know you, to love you, to be loved by you. And may we never forget how you have saved us and what you have freed us from. And God, we just want to say, we, your people, surrender to you afresh. You're our Lord Jesus, you're the head of this church. We want to live for you every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning, if you have responded, it would be great if you just indicated that on a, on a card. Um, this morning, there might be a prayer request. Maybe you want to come to the inquirer's course. Why don't we just take a moment to respond? And whatever you would like to respond, just put it on there. If you're just here a regular, just put your name on. It would be great to know you've been here today. And uh, why don't we take a moment just to respond in these, these times.